Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. Too few Americans have been rescued from Afghanistan. Less than the number of Afghans that have been pulled out. There's a big story there. Supreme Court also orders the Biden administration to reinstate the Remain in Mexico City policy. That's big news. But also on the program, we're going to talk about the Catholic teaching on usury and the slavery to debt. It's kind of a big thing. Uh, I know uh, in my family, it's taken a long time to pay off of our debt and, and how that affects families, especially families that are growing. I can tell you personally, firsthand, the difficulty, but I don't have to because I know you know too. And uh, joining us on the program at 35 past the hour, Thomas Zordani is going to be on. He's got a book out uh, called Faith Finances, and we're going to be discussing usury and debt and so much more. Uh, finances from a Catholic perspective, even Catholic investing, right? Uh, making sure that our investments aren't supporting uh, companies that are contrary to the Catholic faith. All of that coming up at 35 past the hour. Good morning to you, uh, Janice. Uh, welcome back to the program. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Praise be to God. I am alive. Awesome. And that always yes. counts. That always counts. That's great. Did you get rest last night? I did. Yes. I feel uh, refreshed for sure. Sleep so. is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yes. It's a, uh, it, it keeps us humble. I always say that God, God created sleep to keep us humble because <laughs> if not, we would keep going and going and working 24-7. Yeah, true story. Uh, when I was in the Marine Corps, I got into a bad habit of not sleeping for like three to four days at a stretch. Mm. And then like on that three and a half, fourth day level... Like complete crash. Wouldn't even know mm. where I was at the time. It would just be, uh, mm-hmm. it would just be terrible. But yeah, uh, one of my professors I remember uh, in college would say that not sleeping is a lack of trust in God and an act of like basically pride, um, showing that we 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 can do it all. We have we have you know. And I think I think that uh, I actually got in trouble from a professor one time uh, <laughs> because I pulled an all nighter. And I said, uh, Miss, like I pulled an all nighter, and I'm, yeah. I'm I'm so ready for this test. Mm. And she said, um, Do you not trust in God? Ooh. Why didn't you ah, sleep? <laughs> right to the heart. That's amazing. <laughs> Speaking of all nighters, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's yeah. good to be here. You don't sleep, right? Uh, typically not. I try to get as little sleep as possible. That's yeah. the goal. Yeah. And I usually succeed most days. Uh, Saturdays, <laughs> sometimes I fail a little bit and I, and I sleep till like eight or nine. But, you know, most days I succeed in my, in my uh, goal of getting as little sleep as possible. Uh, you and should be ashamed of yourself. My teachers never told me that it was a bad idea for me to do my all-nighters. <laughs> I, I slept in, in, the, uh, in the school uh, science building once and that was great. Yeah. Uh, and I slept underneath this uh, console right here in the studio. So, you know, yeah. it'd be Fun like times. that sometimes. But we, should, we should ask that question in the after show. Like, what's the weirdest place you've ever slept? The weirdest place let, you've ever slept. Let's do that in the after show today. That, that comes up in the end of the second hour. For those of you that can join us in the second hour, uh, we do an after show on our live video stream. Which, by the way, today, 
and I can I, I'm looking at it right now. We are actually live streaming over at Odyssey right now. So we've added Odyssey as a live streaming platform as well as Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and we're also on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. So you can comment in those lo- locations, watch live and, and share and all of that. Again, you can do that at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But Welcome to the team, Odyssey. It's good to have you here. All right, uh, we're going to jump into it. 15 past the hour, we will have a What's Concerning Us. Lots to talk about in Afghanistan and on the border crisis. Uh, You might have uh, heard that there was a breaking story out of Project Veritas. An undercover DHS agent Mm -hmm. has come out to talk about something that's really terrible, actually. Uh, It involves the human sex slave trade coming across that border. So there's that, plus the Afghan story. Uh, There's a Costa Rican priest that's been suspended for saying the Novus Ordo. Kind of weird. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. And usury and the uh, slavery of debt, all coming up in this first hour. Let's jump in by praying. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. And now the headlines with Janice Valenzuela. Good morning. This is Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From LifeSite News, a Costa Rican priest has been suspended from the diocese sent for psychological treatment for celebrating the new new mass in Latin facing the altar. From Epic Times, Oregon Governor Kate Brown announced on Tuesday that state residents will be required to wear masks in most public outdoor settings, regardless of vaccination status. From Epic Times, frontline healthcare workers protest mandatory vaccination in California. U.S. Cut, cuts funding for fossil fuel projects in developing countries. The U.S. Pentagon has decided to mandate COVID-19 vaccine after FDA regulators approve the Pfizer shot. From the National Catholic Register, Catholic Bioethics Center praises Wisconsin Bishop for representing, respecting conscious of vaccine mandates. The National Catholic Bioethics Center on Monday praised the bishops of Wisconsin for their statement for supporting conscious exemptions to COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Quote, we applaud the the Wisconsin Catholic Conference for its defense of the sanctity of conscience with regard to the COVID-19 vaccines, end quote. From the National Catholic Register, the pandemic has fueled a homeschooling boom. Educating within the domestic church continues to draw Catholic families seeking faith, flexibility, and safety. The number of homeschooling households rose from 3.2 million in 2020 before the pandemic to now 6.8 million in, in August of 2020. Facing the expensive prospects of having all four children in a private Catholic school while at the same time wanting to grow together in the faith as a family, most Catholic families have decided to take the plunge into homeschooling this fall. And that's it for your headlines for today. 
the saint of the day is King Saint Louis the Ninth, one of my favorite saints right after King Saint Ferdinand of Spain. He was born on the 25th of April, 1214 at Poissy, France. He was a son of King Louis VIII, which makes sense, and Blanche of Castilla, King of France and Count of Aristos by the age of 11. His mother ruled as regnant until he reached the age of 22. Wow, I'm 23 and I'm not ruling a kingdom yet. And then he reigned for 44 years. Louis made numerous judicial and legislative reforms, promoted Christianity in France, and established religious foundations. He aided in mendicant orders, propagated synodal decrees of the church, built leper hospitals, and collected relics. He married Margaret of Providence at the age of 19 and was the father of 11 children. He was kind of slow. He needs to get those numbers up. Supported by Pope Innocent IV in war against the Emperor Frederick II of Germany, he was a Trinitarian tertiary and led two crusades and died on one of them. He died on the 25th of August, 1270 at Tunis in modern-day Tunisia of natural causes. He was canonized by 12, in 1297 by Pope Boniface VIII. Saint, King St. Louis IX, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 through 32. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and every kind of filth. Even so, on the outside you appear righteous, but inside you are filled with hypocrisy and evildoing. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the memorials of the righteous. And you say, If we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have joined them in the shedding the prophets' blood. Thus you bear witness against yourselves that you are the children of those who murdered the prophets. Now fill up what your ancestors measured out. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Origen, you know, our favorite uh, heretic on the program, Origen said, and in the prophetic writings, the historical sense is the body. The spiritual meaning is the soul. The sepulchers are the letter and books themselves of Scripture. They then who attend only to historical meaning honor the bodies of the prophets and set in the letter as in the sepulcher and are called Pharisees, i.e. cut off as it were, cutting off the soul of the prophets from their body. There's a distinction here. And the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, Haydock, Navarre, and the fathers of the church all make this very clear. The whitewashed tombs. Why did they whitewash the tombs? Because it was against the law to have contact with the dead. It would make you temporarily unclean. So they would whitewash the tombs to make it easier to see uh, where these tombs were. So there would be no inadvertent contact with them. Right? However, St. Gregory the Great said this, that they can have no excuse before the severe judge at the last day. For whilst they show to the view of mankind so beautiful an appearance of virtue, by their hypocrisy they demonstrate that they are not ignorant how to live well. St. Chrysostom would go on to say, Tell me, you hypocrite, what pleasure there is in wickedness. Why do you not wish to be what you wish to appear? What is beautiful to appear? 
is beyond a doubt more beautiful to be. Be therefore what you appear or appear what you really are. And I think that's the real lesson for, uh, for us. Not only is our Lord having great charity on these Pharisees and Sadducees. Well, how could you say that, Joe? I mean, he's chastising them. True, but the greatest charity one can do for another is to share Jesus Christ with them. And what an opportunity to shake them out of their hardness of heart. What an opportunity to, to boldly plant a seed in their heart and in their mind that they might have an opportunity at conversion. That is great charity. This is why the Lord drives the, the, the money changers out of the, out of the, the garden, or rather the, the court there in the temple for the Gentiles. It's a great act of charity. But St. John Chrysostom points out here that you should be what you really are. If we live these duplicitous lives, if we are, say, for instance, uh, public uh, figures who are Catholic would say, well, I am privately against abortion, but I, I am publicly, I cannot impose my belief upon other people. Like that is a duplicitous nature. That is a sort of a schizophrenic approach. You are who you are. I, I can tell you many times, um, you know, I used to produce a lot of content for traditional archery on YouTube. And people all over the world would watch my content. And they would say, your content is great, except you keep mentioning God. If you could just stop mentioning God, that would be better. And I would respond, that would make me a schizophrenic. I am who I am. I am a son of the Most High God. I do everything, as St. Paul would, would ask us to do in 1 Corinthians, is to do all things for the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink, sleep, or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. I would shoot my bow and my arrows for the glory of God. There is nothing we should not do for the glory of God. Everything in life we should get, give to back to God and do it for Him. And I think this is at the heart of St. John Chrysostom. Be what you appear and appear what you really are. Don't live this duplicitous life. St. Christian would go on to say, he does not blame them for building the sepulchers, but discovers the design with which they built them, which was not to honor the slain, but to erect to themselves a triumphal monument of the murder, as fearing that in process of time, the memory of this audacious wickedness should perish as if it's okay because it's been some years past. I think we've seen that in, the own, in our own uh, scandals within the church, some of which uh, have taken place many decades ago. Does that make them less important, less serious? Of course not. Of course not. So there's much to take away from this short passage today, and I want to ask King Louis IX to pray and intercede for us, a man who lived his life and was what he appeared and appeared as who he really was. He's an excellent example. On the other side of this break, we're going to dive into some of these big stories and the what's concerning us. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. 
Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. We thought we were killing the babies, but we have in fact killed our conscience. We have in fact killed our rights. We have in fact killed our nation. Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is great to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to talk about the slavery of debt, usury, finances, Catholic investing. Uh, Thomas Zordani is going to be on our program. He wrote a book called Faith Finances, and uh, we're going to have a conversation around that. Uh, the slavery of debt. I think it's been somewhat lost in modern culture where we live on two incomes and we live up in, in uh, debt up to our eyeballs. So we're going to talk about what the church teaches about that 15 or rather 35 past the hour. There are several stories in the news that I would like to jump into. Number one, this is uh, there was apparently a leak uh, that came out. And uh, this was obtained by Politico. National security reporter Alex Ward reports in a tweet. He said, essentially, there was about 4,407 American citizens that were so far extracted from Afghanistan. That's less than the number of Afghans that have been pulled out. Now, um, I'm glad we're pulling out Afghans personally. But I think we have to be careful about who we have pulled out and where those people go. We need to vet them, I think. We can't just go into chaos mode um, because we don't know... Who's in the crowd? And that's a problem. But I think the bigger problem here is out of the massive, uh, this article from The Blaze actually says, the figure is particularly troubling given that the low-end estimates indicated the number of American citizens present in Afghanistan prior to the U.S. military withdrawal was between 10,000 and 15,000. So if we have 10,000, let's just, let's just pray that it's on the low end, uh, only 4,400 people have been pulled out that leaves a lot more people left to pull out, and the clock is ticking, especially now that President Biden has said, we will adhere to the Taliban's uh, limit of the last day of August. Is it just, that should trouble us. Why are, first of all, why are we allowing the Taliban to dictate terms? Uh, number one. Number two, should we not get all American citizens out? Irregardless, if, if it takes us to, uh, you know, the last day of August or the last day of September, ought not our goal to to bring these citizens back? I think it ought to be. And I, you know, think back to the Iran uh, embassy back in the 70s, Jimmy Carter. We we sent the Delta Force over there to try to rescue them. It failed miserably, but at least we tried. And then we sent the CIA over there to bring back those embassy uh, employees that were in hiding. Um, great movie, by the way. The book is better, but the movie's not bad either on that very subject. 
We, t- we interviewed General Boykin, who helped to plan and execute the failed Delta Force rescue mission there in the Iranian desert. And yet, we're going to leave Americans behind, potentially? They're actually saying that that could be the case. So that's a very troubling story. Even the Democrats are, are troubled by this. And there's another story out right now about uh, this Democrat uh, who's trying to bring citizens out of the country, but one of the points that this particular uh, congressman makes, he's a Democrat from Illinois, his name is uh, Krishnamuruthi, and he was saying that they have firsthand accounts of how difficult it is for these people to get to the airport and then get inside the airport to be able to get on an airplane to be able to get out. In fact, yesterday I saw a video over at Al Jazeera, not a source I go to all that frequently, to be honest with you, but I saw this source and this video uh, on the ground, right outside of the airport, and the massive crowds. But it was worse than that. It was the complexity in which the, the situation is on the ground. You have these massive crowds at the gate trying to get in. Now, there's several layers here. You have allied forces on the perimeter of the air, of the air base. Then you have a layer of these Afghan forces uh, that are trying to buffer in between Taliban and the allied forces. But these buffering units have been shooting at the crowds and abusing people and kind of doing things, whatever they want. And it's hard to tell whether or not they're the good guys or the bad guys. And then you have the Taliban themselves that are going door to door, as we've been reporting, uh, and uh, in looking for people on their hit list. They have the biometric data that we now know. They have the list of the names of the people they're after. We've been seeing all of this, and this video over at the Al Jazeera website, uh, the article goes, Chaos and Violence as Crowds Keep Growing Outside the Kabul Airport. It gives you a pretty uh, sobering view of the life of these people caught in this chaotic situation where who knows uh, what the rules are and how to play them correctly. But the stories are that the Americans who tried to get through this stuff, all of these layers of security, various uh, people, the Taliban, these uh, these particular in-between special forces, Afghan units, and then, of course, allied forces. There's reports that Americans aren't getting through and they're getting their passports actually uh, confiscated from them. Will they ever get out is the question. Now, I will say this. There have been reports also that uh, finally the American military units have been making these excursions into Kabul to try to locate some of their citizens. And praise be to God for that. Uh, the the uh, English were doing it, the UK, of course, the, the, the French, the Germans, and others have been going in and looking for their citizens. I'm glad to hear that we're doing the same now. This is a very chaotic, very chaotic situation, and it just seems to get worse and worse as we go. And so there's so much to pray for here, and uh, I guess my heart is sinking thinking the last day of August is fast approaching. How many citizens will be left? And um, what will that look like? I pray we do not see uh, beheadings again uh, being perpetuated all over (laughs) the world through social media and the news and everywhere else of American citizens who have been left behind. I pray that that does not happen, but I fear that it might. Uh, There was another story here that kind of broke my heart a little bit that I saw this morning out of the Daily Wire. Los Angeles fire captain in hot water after calling city's vax mandate a tyranny. And uh, so this is a, like a 35-year veteran of the, of the fire department in Los Angeles. 
And this is not a guy who I, when watching, he he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would do something like this very often, if at all. Like, he does his job. He loves his job. He loves the fire department. He's served there for decades. He's given his life there. And he is saying there are hundreds of firefighters who are absolutely opposed to the mandates that they're being forced upon. And he sees no end to them. And he calls it tyranny. And he basically is upset because the uh, the union that's supposed to be in protecting their interests seems to be siding with the city on this issue. And even though they've asked their union to to really reconsider and to come to their defense, the union is refusing. And they've it's getting to the point where they feel like they have no other options. And he's saying that there are hundreds, hundreds of of these firefighters who all feel the same way. And they want to resist. And he says it's not about whether or not you get vaxxed or not. It's about the tyranny involved. And they have actually hired an attorney. And he, he makes it very clear things are about to get really interesting over there. But I guess from watching the video mostly, it just breaks my heart to watch him and uh, get really emotional. This is a guy who probably doesn't get emotional too often. And, uh, and to see how this is affecting everybody. And I guess that's the real story for me is this whole issue of mandates is leading to a large division, a very large division. Inside the church, I see it. Outside the church, definitely see it. But I think, I think uh, a rough road is ahead of us if we're not uh, prayerful and careful here. Because the divisions are you know, all in or not in, and it, the reasonable dialogue in the middle doesn't seem to be happening whatsoever. It seems very crazy to me. Um, I don't know if you saw this. And then you guys, if you want to chime in, you're welcome to do so. But I don't know if you saw that uh, Project Veritas had a story yesterday with a new under, a whistleblower. This guy was from the De- Department of Homeland Security. And I find this interesting, especially in light of the fact that the Supreme Court has come out. Uh, Epic Times reported, a bunch of outlets reported this. Uh, the Supreme Court orders Biden administration to reinstate remain in Mexico policy. Um, the Supreme Court, August 24th, ordered the Biden administration to reinstate the Trump era remain in Mexico policy, which requires people seeking asylum to wait in Mexico until their case is heard. The court wrote in an unsigned order that the Biden administration failed to show it had not acted in an arbitrary and capricious, uh, capricious manner or that it had. Uh, let me read. Let me start over because I want to make sure I read it right that the Biden administration failed to show it had not acted in an arbitrary and capricious manner when it rescinded the policy, officially called the Migrant Protection Protocols, MPP program, that started back in 2019 under the former President Donald Trump. The court cited its opinion from 2020 that rejected the Trump administration's effort to end a uh, separate immigration program, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA. The court in that decision ruled that ending DACA would be arbitrary and capricious and in violation of federal law. President Joe Biden in January suspended the MPP program and the Department of Homeland Security in June officially terminated the policy, telling employees in a memo it would no longer be enforcing the program. The move triggered a lawsuit from Texas and Missouri with the attorneys general arguing that DHS Secretary uh, Mayorkas failed to provide reasonable justification to suspend the program. So this is kind of big. The Supreme Court is saying, nope, sorry, 
the Remain in Mexico policy must be reinstated. Now, why do I bring that up? Because of this whistleblower and what he said at the uh, at Project Veritas. The whistleblower pointed out that there is an ugly trend going on when it comes to um, human sex slave trade. You have gang members coming across that border who are known entities. They are on watch lists with federal agencies. They know who these individuals are. They know the grossness of their uh, crimes against humanity, and they come across that border. Okay, well, that's step one. How do they get across the border? Uh, Because when they encounter, when these individuals who are known on watch lists, mind you, when they encounter the federal agents, they are coached to say they are in fear for their lives or they are in fear for the lives of their family. According to this whistleblower, that gets them uh, like a get-out-of-jail-free card and they get across the border, right? They're seeking asylum. Step two in that is these same individuals on a watch list, known for their gang violence, known for their human trafficking and all these other crimes, guess what they do? They come back and they apply to take guardianship of the unaccompanied minors coming across the border. Let that sink in. It's a whole racket that's going on, according to this whistleblower. They get in, then they come back and get the kids. What do you think is going to happen to those kids? How do you think those kids are going to turn out after that? Do you think they might land in a human trafficking ring? Well, that is exactly what's going on. These kids that are being released to these individuals who were on watch lists are then ending up in the human trafficking ring. This is horrible. That's absolutely horrible. Where is the, uh, the charity for these children? Where is the, the desire to protect them who are caught in the middle of all this chaos? Like, it's just, as a dad, that bugs me beyond uh, reason. I can't tell you. So check out the Project Veritas video. You can watch it for yourself. You can go to their website. You can actually read the article. It summarizes their comments and their his allegations uh, with actual evidence. So it's, it's kind of crazy. Maybe in the after show, we'll talk about uh, the priest in Costa Rica who was suspended. Kind of crazy. Said the Nova Sordo and got sent to psychological evaluation. Does that seem reasonable to you? I'm not sure it does to me either. But we'll have a conversation maybe in the after show about that. All that. But coming up after the break, we're going to talk with Thomas Zordani about the slavery of debt. It's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Many atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition, and as such, is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then, scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge, in which case, it's self-refuting. Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry, because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science, such as, there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So, to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. 
And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From New York Post, Supreme Court upholds order keeping Remain in Mexico policy in place. The Supreme Court on Tuesday decided that declined the Biden administration request to block a lower court order keeping the Trump administration's Remain in Mexico policy for asylum seekers in place. From Crux Now, Vatican's former finance guru resigns from a post at the Swiss bank just weeks after being indicted by the Vatican on charges of abuse of office over a shady London real estate deal. Swiss lawyer René Bullhart has resigned from his post on the board of a Swiss bank. From Crux Now, the economy of Francesco, a movement inspired by Pope Francis, is calling for a global march in favor of Afghan women on August 28th to shine the spotlight on their flight amid the recent Taliban takeover of Afghanistan. From Sunday Visitor, a spokeswoman with Texas Right to Life said a federal appeal court ruling upholding the Texas dismemberment abortion ban is a long-awaited victory. (laughs) Texans are celebrating. EWT News says Pope Francis will send over 230 100,000 in aid for victims of the Haiti earthquake. The funds will be used to assist the earthquake victims and is intended to be an immediate expression of the feeling of spiritual closeness and paternal encouragement towards the people and territories affected, demonstrated by the Holy Father, it's, it said. From VOA News, the U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris said the international community needs to raise the pressure on China over its widespread territorial claims over the South China Sea. Also, the Biden administration extends student loan pause until January 31, 2022. The U.S. Department of Education Department announced a final extension of the of the pause on student loan repayment interest and collections until January 31st. And this is all for your headlines today. Praise be to God. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Thomas Zordani. And uh, Thomas, uh, he's got an interesting story. He fell away from his faith in his college years and found himself in a, a mountain full of debt and uh, and his Coming back to his faith, he's discovered the church's teaching on, on usury, on debt, and he's got a book out, and you can find it uh, online, actually, Faith Finances, and uh, we see it over at Amazon and other outlets as well, but we want to have a conversation around that. Good morning to you, Mr. Zordani. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Praise be to God, I am alive, and that counts, <laughs> and that counts. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's good to have you on, uh, native of uh, Denver, uh, Colorado. Zordani, what is the, uh, what is the heritage ba- background of Zordani? What is, where does that come from? Italian. Okay, I was. We were debating it hotly yesterday, and uh, I was going further. I was going further east in the Mediterranean. I was there. guessing Russian, but you know, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, there might there might be some Slavic uh, background in that, but 
uh, I guess the actual name was pronounced with a G. So at some point it was changed to a Z. Fascinating. So, <laughs> well, let's get into your background, uh, how you, uh, how you felt, how you, how you came back to the church, but specifically, how did you find yourself in a, in a, uh, in a, in a deep crisis of debt? Well, I, I think it's much like many Americans experience. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not like one uh, situation just creates an issue. It just happens over a period of time, uh, with multiple decisions involved. Um, there were student loan debt, there was uh, auto loan, credit card, um, all of those things just kind of built up. As you said, I fell away from my faith in college. I got married, inherited a, a large step family, and uh, thought it would be good uh, to pay off debt before we actually got married. That's when I was um, uh, engaged and uh, started working an incredible 155 hours a week. I don't recommend wow. that. Wow. Um, just simply, it, it was, I'm writing that it was down. Crazy. That's a good idea. I think uh, we, may, we may be implementing. <laughs> well, that. It, it was for four and a half days straight that I wouldn't uh, sleep, yeah. and um, did that for about five and a half months. Ended up in the hospital actually Oof. a couple of times. Uh, nearly killed me, literally. Wow. Um, with another seventy-eight thousand dollars of uh, debt because I had no health insurance. Yeah. And so I took a mess and just made it bigger. Um, we kind of juggled things for about a year. It just got really bad after we got married. Um, we ended up uh, homeless. Uh, we had six kids at the time. And I had a reversion experience in the middle of a grocery store, believe it or not, <laughs> um, to where I, I was there, but I had no money. I wasn't there to buy anything. I just felt compelled to go in. And I was looking at uh, greeting cards and a greeting card I picked up had a passage from uh, scripture on it from Jeremiah 33, 3, that said, call out to me and I will teach you great things that you do not know. So imagine this, you know, you're 27 years old, your life is a complete and total wreck. And you get a, you're, you're not practicing your faith at all, not going to church, not praying, not reading scripture. And you get a message like that, that was absolutely life changing. I went home to look it up just to make sure it was true. And I said to myself, what else is in this book? Uh, that could help uh, me uh, change the situation. And I had stored all of this stuff in the, you know, it was in, in storage and, and such. So it was in a box of yearbooks that I had from uh, high school. Mm. So that's, that's literally what changed. But I, I do end up separating from my wife for a period of time. Um, moved back down to Denver to try to find us a place. And, uh, you know, we couldn't afford $395 in rent uh, back in 94. And uh, the places in Denver at that time were over $1,000 for the size of family that we had. Wow. So it was just a huge mess, you know, $125,000 of debt, earning less than 30000 a year. You know, it, there's so many uh, similarities, uh, not quite as, ex, uh, as extreme as yours, but I, I, having to pay off debt, working three jobs, killing myself to make ends meet, I've been there, I've done that, and I can I can appreciate how incredible and, and um, stressful that situation was. So what was the thing that got you back to something that felt more normal? Well, believe it or not, it was learning about the principle of tithing. Um, I would just read these scriptures. I didn't have a computer at the time, um, but I would scour through scripture looking for passages that spoke to me about money, about you know good money principles, um, good virtues that was needed to handle money better. 
And um, I would just write these down and I saw patterns arise. Uh, we learned about tithing and, you know, people were telling me I was crazy to give away money that we didn't have when we couldn't afford to pay the bills that we had. Mm. But that is literally what, what changed around. There was a passage from um, Haggai that also was very, very powerful. It says the wage earner gets his wages only to put them into a purse that is riddled with holes. And these began to speak to me about budgets and and uh, such. And there's another one in Sirach that talks about uh, everything you spend and make, it needs to be put in writing. And that's, I've never seen another uh, biblical quoted passage like that from the book of Sirach mm. uh, directly about a budget. It, and so some of these principles seem so long gone now, like paying off debt before you get married. You mentioned that earlier. Uh, who thinks that way? We, we live in a day and a time where you have to have two incomes, right? You, both men and women are having to work. Uh, then, of course, you you got to have that F-150 Raptor in the Midnight Blue Package. I mean, <laughs> if you don't, what, what kind of man are you? So you, that's probably, what, $1,500 a month right there? And then, of course, the house has to be really, really nice in a great neighborhood. Well, that's not cheap anymore, so that's going to cost you a penny or two. And then you, you still got to go on vacations. I mean, and then okay, you got to shop every month, so you got the credit cards out. The student loan debts have m- mounted up. I mean, it doesn't take much. And those credit cards, boy, those are vicious, aren't they? I mean, you could stay in debt for the rest of your life on, on credit cards alone. Uh, how come we don't think this way? How come we don't see debt for what it really is anymore? Well, that that it, it's just a cultural thing. You know, every step, every principle that I teach in, in my program has a biblical base to it. And just really getting back to, you know, who was it that created money? Who was it that created economics? All of this, it was God. So he's going to know far better than we. And uh, there's a scripture in Corinthians that talks about, you know, uh, closing your eyes and going by faith and not by sight. Mm. And, you know, it's it's just putting things in perspective because we have often way more than what we really need. It's really how you use it. And everything about money in the Bible revolves around three principles, the principle of giving, the principle of management, and the principle of increase. And it's kind of interesting. You do the first two principles correctly, you will experience increase in your life in all areas. Okay, that's just how the the financial principles work. And there are so many uh, scriptures that refer to debt, mm-hmm. um, you know, that it, you're a slave to the lender. You know, is that what your purpose is here on earth is to be a slave that it's just a series of payments that one has to make. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're coming up to a break here. Uh, on the other side of the break, I want to talk about usury in particular um, okay. and what the Catholic principles are on usury, because it seems like it's been commonly accepted at this point that usury is a, is a way of life. So I want to talk about that and, and so much more. But we're talking to uh, Thomas Zordani. He has a book out called Faith Finances and the Biblical Principles, Catholic Teaching. It has an imprimatur, by the way, by Bishop Aquila in Colorado. So uh, great conversation on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. Where do we stand on, on these issues? How come we have uh, given so much over to the ways of the world when it comes to debt and usury and so much more? All of that. It's coming up next with Thomas Zordani. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. 
G.K. Chesterton says, Thanks are the highest form of thought. At the sacrifice of the Mass, we hear the priest say, We do well always and everywhere to give you thanks. Always and everywhere. Have we ever really thought about that? If we were always thankful to God, always and everywhere, what would our lives be like? Chesterton says, We should always endeavor to wonder at the permanent thing, not at the mere exception. We should be startled by the sun, not by the eclipse. We should wonder less at the earthquake and wonder more at the earth. Thanks are the highest form of thought. Maybe that's why the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Praise be to God. I was just thinking, um, just remembering my first apartment after the Marine Corps up in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I had I was working at a machine shop. I had I had to work a 24 hour shift over the weekend every weekend in order to earn enough money to pay the to pay the bill every month, plus eat and everything else. So, yikes. Uh, but uh, Thomas Zordani is our guest. He's got a book out called Faith Finances. You can find it uh, on Amazon and other retailers as well. Praise be to God. I want to talk about usury, Mr. Zordani. Uh, it seems to me that we have accepted a, uh, a secular worldview of usury within uh, the body of Christ. What say you? I would agree with you now wholeheartedly. Um, you know, this this country is based on a culture of obscene debt. And that leads to nowhere good. I, there's only one place in all of Scripture that I found that speaks well of debt at all, and that's in Romans where it says, avoid debt except the debt of mutual love. Okay? Everywhere else it's avoid it, you know, get rid of it. It's slavery. Um, you know, in, in Second Peter it talks about you become a slave to whatever overcomes you. Um, you know, so there are so many warnings and, you know, people like to manage debt and I'm saying, you know, really, you want to manage slavery. Um, why not be free? That's what we were created to do. We can be a much more effective instrument in God's kingdom when we have and obtain our freedom. And that's what it's really about so that we can fulfill that purpose and serve the Lord. Um, the church has never really defined uh, specifically a number, what usury means, but, you know, it's just a high amount of uh, debt that is charged, whether you're providing loans to people uh, that that damage them in, in time of need or you're paying them, okay? And certainly that damages um, your, your most powerful wealth-building tool, which is your income that the Lord provides us. So I'm uh, very cautious. I, I haven't owned a credit card since 1989. Wow. I shut mine off then, uh, paid it off. And I've never, you know, we, we pay cash for uh, all of our cars. Um, we have a small mortgage left. 
Um, but I, I follow the principles that I teach um, in my program. You know, this uh, goes back to a question that we had a conversation off uh, the radio about this exact topic. And the usury question is incredibly fascinating to me because people often think, okay, usury, that means that you you should not charge uh, exorbitant interest on a loan. But we forget the flip side, which you mentioned, is taking on that loan. It's kind of like scandal. It's a, it's a sin to give scandal, but it's also a sin to receive scandal. In the same way, it's true for usury. For someone who is young and they're trying to go to college, they're trying to buy a car, they're trying to rent a house, rent a, or rent an apartment, rent a car, uh, rent a hotel, buy a house, how can they do that if they don't have credit? How can they avoid... Uh, usury if they are going to be trying to, you know, live in a society, as people say, uh, without taking out credit cards, taking out loans and all these types of things. Yeah. And I get a lot of questions like that. And I've, I've worked with thousands of families to show them how to pay for school without borrowing money, um, you know, buying cars, being able to step up. Um, you know, a, a car is something that depreciates very, very quickly. Um, you know, the first three years, it loses 50% of its value. Hmm. You know, if, if I were your financial investor and you gave me $30,000 to invest and then you come back to me in three years and now it's 15, are you going to be happy with those results? <laughs> it, absolutely not. You'd fire me if that were the case. But not only is that happening when you buy a brand new car, you're paying compound interest to have those results. And that to me is like absolutely insane. So I, I really get people thinking different. So if you want to buy a car, it should at least be three years old. Um, the way that I teach people to buy a house, you want to have at least a minimum of 20% saved up. You want to have six months of income in um, savings and be debt-free. Um, then in Scripture, it talks about make your plans, prepare the fields. Then you may go and build your house. So the question is, do you want it to be blessed or do you want it to be cursed? Mm. And nobody ever tells me they want it to be cursed, but yet, um, you know, it's easy to buy a house. It's much more difficult to keep it, as many of us know who own a house. Yeah, amen. Mm. Mr. Sordani, um, I am a millennial uh, young adult and newly married. I've been married for about a year and a half now. And I saw that you have a faith finance marriage preparation workbook that is uh, a complementary to your book. Um, so as a millennial, I know a lot of my peers um, that are uh, getting married, um, you know, starting their families, a lot of them, there is statistics that show millennials are um, not, uh, are, are postponing major life events, such as buying a home, getting married, um, having children, uh, and, and they're waiting later and later in life, uh, precisely because of financial issues. What advice do you have for Millennials, uh, with your experience and uh, your your background, uh, what what advice do you have for young married couples uh, moving forward in today's culture uh, with all uh, all the debt that they carry? That is that is a great question. And what I would what I would tell you if if you adhere to these principles, the longer that you practice these biblical principles, the more compound effect that they will have upon one's life. Okay, so if, if you can start your life, you know, as a young millennial, debt-free, or getting out of debt as quickly as possible, and then get your uh, income to begin creating wealth for you, um, you know, avoiding debt, avoiding borrowing more money to continue education, paying off cars, buying those differently, um, you can have a big impact because the, the biggest 
element of compound interest, meaning have it work for you, is the amount of time that you're able to do it. Mm. Okay, mm. So you can take a relatively small amount of money, say a couple hundred dollars a month, okay, which in today's standards isn't, you know, that, that could be a small credit card payment for most people. And you put that into a, an investment fund, a mutual fund, or, you know, some other type of uh, area that you're able to compound that. And by the time you're at retirement age, you could have well over a million dollars saved up. Okay. So it, it just, that is the most effective way um, doing it little by little is scripture teaches over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so stay out of debt or get out of debt and stay out of debt, slavery. Don't worry about what the, what, um, society says that you have to have these credit scores. Imagine what my credit score was when I had $125,000 of debt. <laughs> you know, it, it, everything on my credit was horrible. Yeah. Um, but we were able to still yet buy a home. It took, uh, it took a little while, but I saved, a. Uh, a huge amount of money, and then they were tripping over themselves to uh, give us a mortgage. I'm sure. Wow. Yeah. yeah, well, a, fo- a good follow-up question here is, you know, you talk about we need to invest, but how do we invest without committing sin? How do we invest without, say, oh, I'm going to be financing Planned Parenthood. I'm going to be financing uh, evil things. I'm going to be, uh, and I'd, and also avoiding the sin of usury with uh, compound interest and those kind of things as well. Well, correct. And, you know, what I teach, um, you know, certainly you, you want to have virtues, um, being able to make good decisions. You also want to be well-formed in, in your uh, faith. And there are a number of Catholic organizations out there that teach specifically. Now, I can't necessarily mention specific in investments because I'm no longer uh, licensed uh, to do so, but like Ave Maria Mutual Funds, there's also a, um, a good site called uh, catholicinvestments.com, and it talks a lot about what we as Catholics are required to to educate ourselves and to morally and justly do, okay? And certainly following the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you should be praying about these things consistently, having what I call a, a board of directors to help you direct your life in the areas um, that are so important. And scripture talks about where great wealth abounds, parasites abound. And you think about the areas of great wealth in one's life that comes in insurance, that comes in retirement, and it comes in homes. So anytime you have an area of great wealth, there's going to be parasites. So beware of uh, knowing that that's out there as to, you know, and what a parasite does is kind of eats up the host, eats up those financial resources. So you want to be very prudent and uh, cautious and enter these things very prayerfully. Uh, we're talking with Thomas Zordani. He's got a book out called Faith Finances. It does have an imprimatur from Bishop Aquila in, uh, I think it's in Denver, right? Um, Correct. Yeah, praise be to God. So I uh, encourage you to check that out. We're down to just about uh, a minute and a half or so left in our conversation. Now, I understand you have a course that's uh, coming out or is out now? That is correct. And um, um, Stella Maris, which is an organization in Houston, is having um, some faith finances. These will be online. And actually, so if you go to Stella Maris or I love Stellamaris.org, family finances. There is September 16th, the 23rd, and the 30th. And this will be a three-week course from 7.30 to 9.30 Central Standard Time. Um, 
it you register online. The cost of it is $70. You actually get a book, um, but we're limiting the classes to 75 uh, people, so they will fill up fast. Um, so I encourage you. It's also going to be in Spanish um, from October 14th, the 21st, and the 28th. So I encourage you to um, sign up for those. It's going to be a life-changing event. Got it. Praise be to God. I, the website was ilovestellamaris.org? Yes. Okay. I love ilovestellamaris.org. We'll link to that in our social feeds for those that are hanging out with us. And you can always find the links to our social feeds on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Praise be to God. But uh, we're down to it here. Faith Finances uh, is the book, and we encourage you to check it out. And I've not read it, but I'm eager to take a look at it for sure. Uh, Getting Out of the Slavery of Debt. Golly gee whiz, I wish most Catholics would would start their life and their marriage off that way. But too many of us, we do it the hard way. <laughs> we get married and then we go, oh yeah, we got to be debt free. Darn it to Bitsy's. Yeah. And then right. it's sad. It's sad to see that, you know, young folks are delaying buying homes, getting yeah. married, starting families. Amen. Yeah, because they're sad. enslaved in debt. True story. Uh, Mr. Thomas Zordani, thank you for your time today. God love you and God bless you. God bless you guys. Have Thank a great, you day. So much. great day. Have a God great bless. day. Bye-bye. All right, that is going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. We enjoyed our conversations. If you are at all able to join us for the next hour, we would love to have you. We will have uh, good news and stories, uh, Saint of the Day, Gospel Day. Plus, we're going to play our, our trivia game. Fear and trembling and prizes are involved, and you could win. If you can, join us. Uh, you can always watch live and comment live right on our website grnonline.com forward slash cdt that's grnonline.com forward slash cdt otherwise we'll see you back here 6 a.m central 7 eastern god love you thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired join us monday through friday at the same time right here on your favorite catholic radio station don't forget to connect with us just go to facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time again that's facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time be sure to share more than just us today share jesus with everyone you meet bye now and god love you Why do Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink? I don't know. In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, this is my body. He says of the wine, this is my blood. Not this is symbolic of or this represents. He says this is. In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally. Verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard heard him speak at the time took him literally, then my question is, why does anyone today, 2,000 years after the fact, take him symbolically? Also, in verse 51 of John 6, Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. Was that symbolic? 
If you think Jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, then you must also conclude that Jesus' death on the cross was only symbolic. It wasn't really Jesus hanging up there. It was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood. Jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world. He did that on the cross. Those who believe he is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us his real flesh and blood for the life of the world? Or was it only his symbolic flesh and blood? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. We just wrapped up a great conversation with Thomas Zordani about usury, about finances, about, we even talked about Catholic investing, but most of all about the slavery of debt, something I think many of us understand, have lived through, are dealing with. It's been a real thing. And uh, what are the Catholic principles involved in those conversations? Well, we talked about that with Thomas Zordani. And if you missed that, well, don't worry. You can always listen to the podcast of our episode right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can also listen to the podcast on iTunes, on Google Play, on Spotify. I mean, it's everywhere. And do me a favor, subscribe and leave a review. That helps us to to, uh, find new listeners. Praise be to God. So you could be very helpful in doing that. And then you can also watch the uh, the interview later. Uh, you can watch the replay of this uh, show, but you could also watch just the interview itself, which we will post as a conversation on our CDT YouTube channel, as well as on Odyssey, which we are now live streaming to uh, as well. So we're we're kind of everywhere: Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Odyssey. I repost to lots of other sites like Gab, for instance, SP3RN, Gloria TV. I mean, we're just everywhere. Praise be to God. Everything is linked up on our website, so you can find it there at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning. Praise be to God. Praise Good to see you back. God. Yes. Uh, great awesome. conversation last hour. Yeah, it was amazing. I really loved all the information that uh, Mr. Thomas gave us about um, financial freedom and just uh, uh, his his story was incredible. I just, yeah. uh, his his experience, I think um, that's the beauty of of a life of a life with God that God God turns all yeah. of our sufferings and it was pretty all incredible. of our miseries into and uh, rest, yeah. glory and and glory for him so yeah. um but it is crazy for young people to go in in this world sort of they buy the line that they have to have all these things yeah and when he yeah. said that he uh, had a, a hundred thousand dollars in debt it's uh 
that's really interesting because I know a lot of millennials today that have like two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, and and I feel like with inflation and everything that's going on, mm-hmm. we are. Uh, a lot of young young families have even greater debts than what perhaps like yeah. our grandpa- grandparents had like in the earlier days because of inflation. Yeah. You know, the cost of home, the cost of living has yeah. definitely risen over the years. So that I, makes it harder. I know. I have a good friend who I, I can't I don't remember how many degrees he has. He's got <laughs> bachelor's, he's got master's degree, multiple master's degrees. I think he, he also got his doctorate. And I kept saying to him, you, you do realize the bank's going to want their money at some point. Like you can run, but you can't hide. At some point, yeah. you got to pay all that debt back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think sometimes it's like when you go to the grocery store hungry and you just start buying food. Mm-hmm. It's probably not good yes. for you. They always say, "Go, <laughs> never go in an empty stomach. Right. <laughs> Same thing for things like college, buying cars or houses. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you really do need to regulate. But anyway, we mm-hmm. had a great conversation. But speaking of regulations, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. Regulations. Mm-hmm. Are, what mm-hmm. am I regulating? Uh, well, I, I forget. Let me know. What mm-hmm. am I regulating? Yes, of course. We're regulating, regulating something, I'm something, sure. Some, sure. Something, for sure. I'll check my list later. Speaking of mountains of debt, how, mountains how's it going debt. for you today? Uh, I have no debt, zero, zero dollars sure. in debt. It's sure. great. I paid off college uh, while in college, and wow. I don't have a single loan. I uh, don't yeah. have uh, any credit cards. Uh, <laughs> so I am. That's why I was asking. Uh, my. That's why I kept on asking about that because I'm like, you can't. It's hard to do things when you don't have uh, credit. But you know, it's fine. I have no no I, debt, especially so in a digital in a digital age where everything is connected. And they mm. uh, and they want you to use your 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 credit cards to for these services and I mean mm. you can use bank cards but it's still all sort of rigged it's like kind of a rigged system and it seems to be getting worse like paying actual cash is going to become harder and harder uh, to do things uh, but I, mm. I I like I'm like Zordani I I use cash to buy cars and I buy the old ones so that I can afford them and mm. they just keep them running and uh, mm-hmm. and it it's so freeing to not have to have that monthly monthly payment praise be to god yeah and especially with monthly payments and cost of living going up you know he said he said rent was 395 and then i chuckle that i chuckle was in the 90s yeah and i chuckle hearing yeah. that because i mean the average rent today is at least you know 100 1500 minimum yeah uh, and more or more well when uh, i was monthly. in the marine corps in hawaii in the 90s in the early 90s uh rent for a tiny mm-hmm. little flat was well over a thousand dollars and mm. and that was like a one bedroom, tiny mm. little concrete block flat. It was ugly and not a great view, and you were paying through the nose. I can't imagine what that costs today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, my, like living in California, buying a house in California, it's a huge amount of money involved. Yes, it, yeah. it is. Yeah, a lot of young families in California, uh, I know personally, are. Uh, not homeowners they're still renting yeah. uh it's it's not the it's not like the older people in california because of their experience living there i'm sure they are able to own a home but the younger families i think it's are crazy. struggling well speaking of uh struggling we better get started here we have the game show coming up at 15 past the hour and prizes are at stake and you could win uh, make sure you tune in uh, and get the phone number and call in quick but let's pray and dive in in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost amen Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. 
O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the good news with Janice. Yes, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headlines for today. EWTN uh, this year celebrates the 40th anniversary of uh, EWTN's service uh, founded by Mother Angelica. 40 years ago, the charism stays alive, and and the hallmark of EWTN's 40th tenure is serving the church and its people. Our Sunday visitor, the U.S. Department of Education, announced a final extension of pause on student loan repayment, interest, and collections until January 31st, 2022. From Sunday Visitor, poor Claire's sister from the Mar- from Maryland is elected abbess, succeeds Mother Angelica. The religious name of Mother Mary Paschal of the Lamb of God was elected abbess this past month, taking on some 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 of the uh, work handed down by Mother Angelica, founder of both the monastery and the global Catholic communications network known as EWTN. From Crux Now, the economy of Francesco, a movement inspired by Pope Francis, is calling for a global march in favor of Afghan women on August 28th to shine the spotlight on those on their flight amid the recent the recent Taliban takeover of Afghanistan. A spokeswoman with Texas Right to Life has said has said a federal appeal court ruling upholding the Texas dismemberment abortion ban is a long-awaited victory Texans are celebrating. And lastly, from EWTN, Pope Francis will send over $230,000 in aid for victims of the Haiti earthquake. The funds will be used to assist the earthquake victims and is intended to be an immediate expression of the feeling of spiritual closeness and paternal encouragement towards the people and territories affected. Demonstrated by the Holy Father, he said... And those are your headline viewings for this morning. God love you and have a great Wednesday. The saint of the day is King St. Louis IX, my second favorite King Saint right after King St. Ferdinand. He was born on the 25th of April, 1214 at Poissy, France. He was the son of King Louis VIII, which makes sense, and Blanche of Castilla. He was the king of France in the court of Artois at the age of 11. His mother ruled as regnant until he reached the age of 22. And what am I doing at the age of 23? <laughs> he then reigned for 44 years. Louis made numerous judicial and legislative reforms, promoted Christianity in France, established religious foundations, aided in mendicant orders, and propagated synodal decrees of the church. He built leper hospitals and collected relics. That's a lot. He married Margaret of Providence by the age of 19, at the age of 19, and was the father of of only 11 children. Hmm. Rookie numbers. He supported <laughs> uh, he was supported Pope Innocent IV in war against Emperor Frederick II of Germany and he was, became a trinitarian tertiary. He led two crusades and died on one of them. He died on the 25th of August 1270 at Tunis in modern-day Tunisia of natural causes. He was canonized in 1297 by Pope Boniface VIII, King Saint Louis IX. Pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 through 32. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and every kind of filth. 
Even so, on the outside you appear righteous, but inside you are filled with hypocrisy and evil doing. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the memorials of the righteous, and you say, If we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have joined them in shedding the prophets' blood. Thus you bear witness against yourselves that you are the children of those who murdered the prophets. Now fill up what your ancestors measured out. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What was their hypocrisy exactly? Well, uh, Hiller says, Although they seemed to honor the prophets and to abhor the murder of the just, it was merely that in their persecution of Jesus Christ, he might appear to the people neither a prophet nor the just. In other words, this is a prelude to the passion and death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. They're trying to spin things already ahead of the crucifixion to make Jesus look a certain way in the eyes of the people. But... As is usually the custom, our Lord snares them in their own trap and turns it on them. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, I, this is a great passage. Uh, Cornelius Lapide had some great things to say about this. He says, and uh, I guess we'll be focusing specifically on the term hypocrites. These line to tell me, oh hypocrite. So this is good. The hypocrite, what is the hypocrite? Why is hypocrisy such a uh, nefarious and wicked thing? Well, Cornelius Lapid says the reason why it's so awful is because you recognize what is actually good. So you know what is good. And be, how do you know, how do you know that you know that it's good? Because you're imitating, you're pretending to be good, but you are actually not performing the good acts. You're not actually good in the soul, but you ha- know. So you're recognizing A is good. And so Cornelius Lapid says this. He uses this example. He says, what appears to be beautiful actually is beautiful. What appears to be base actually is base. And he says, what is, uh, appears to be good, it actually is good to be good. But for you to just put on an air of beauty, an air of goodness, well, if you put that on, that is hypocrisy because inwardly you are death. You are worms. You are gore. Cornelius Lapide quotes St. John Chrysostom when he says, Moreover, there are many in our days, like the Pharisees, who take the greatest care of cleanliness and outward adorning, but whose souls have no ornaments, yet who fill their soul with worms and gore and an inexpressible stench who fill them, I say, with wicked and absurd lusts. So do not be a hypocrite. Instead of having these outward signs, recognizing what is good, you know what is good. If you know what is good, be good. Don't just appear good, but be good. And that's, uh, I think, what Cornelius Lapide uh, would want us to take from this passage on hypocrisy. Amen. Praise be to God. Well, I think it's time to play our game here. We're going to go to a break in a moment, but uh, here's the deal. If you would like to win prizes, well, you have an awesome opportunity coming up next. All you have to do is be a caller on the phone, and uh, the first caller gets it. The phone number is 877-757-9424. Gets the opportunity, and the questions, which I won't even ask you, are. It's, I think it's Super Easy Question Wednesday today. 877-757-9424. Call right now. Phone lines are open at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. 
We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda, but I can't tell you about that yet because the phone lines are open. They're wide open. If you called right now, you'd be the contestant. That's how great your opportunity really is. The phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now and be our contestant. You could possibly win some cool prizes at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Phone lines are wide open at 877-757-9424. Waiting for our caller to come in to play our game. But here's the deal. All right, so there are a few things we like to do. Uh, when I don't want you to tell anybody about this, I kind of keep this just between us, okay? But number one, I like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions to learn something we did not know before. Praise be to God, right? Learning something new is always a good time. And then, of course, we like to have fun, and our callers tend to be uh, really good sports. They laugh with us, and we enjoy that. And then we give out prizes, which kind of makes it a winner for everybody involved. But here's the kicker. I will not ask my trivia questions to the caller. They do not need to know to still win the game. And that makes it even more fun. And that's because I will ask Janice and I will ask Adrian. One of them will be right and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to uh, 
answer the questions. Praise be to God. Uh, Janice, what could they win? Yeah, so today's game show sponsor is Sanctus Co., a Catholic apparel and flag uh, accessory company. And uh, I'm on their website right now, and uh, they are we are they're giving away a uh, Vatican flag, Sanctus Vatican flag. It's a 100% polyester knitted fabric. It's a beautiful Vatican uh, a Catholic flag, um, and uh, it looks like it's uh, the original. Um, you know, it's a, it's a gold white. It's almost uh, like a burnt orange ish. Yeah, not has, quite, but it's close. Yeah, I definitely can see this being like hanged up in someone's yeah. home and as a home decor. Out in the front yard. Go for it. Yeah, the front yard. Be bold. Yeah, Be bold. Uh, yes, I definitely show that <laughs> Catholic pride in your front yard. <laughs> Drive your no- your neighbors nuts. Uh, thank you, SanctusCo.com, for your generous sponsorship of our game show this week. We're looking forward to it. And by the way, the phone lines blew up. So praise be to God for all of you who called in uh, right away and uh, tried to be a part of the show. Call back tomorrow. Call back early, and uh, you can get in. But let's go to the phones here. Tim calling in. Uh, praise be to God, Tim. Thanks for being on our show. Thank you. Now, Tim, where are you calling from? D.C. Hey, Washington, D.C. Praise be to Jesus. Now, are you commuting this morning? I, in a way, yes. Now, I'm, uh, I'm going to get a haircut. Hey, now. Well, it's going to be a great day to get a haircut. <laughs> you get up early. I like that. Now, do you, in D.C., most people commute by, like, train, right? I mean, uh, do, is it like, are you a oh, driver? No, no. The roads, the roads are just packed. Yeah. Mm. It's a mess. It's a mess. Yeah. Yes. I used to live in D.C., and uh, it's actually the number one uh, city with the worst traffic with in the worst US. traffic. Well, yeah. I do not envy you, good sir, but we are grateful you've called in. Praise be to God. Are you familiar with the game? Do you know how the rules play? I have heard it, yes. All right. So you know you got to listen carefully. Janice is new, but she could be very tricky, so we have to listen carefully. Are you ready to play, sir? I am ready. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Janice, we will start with you. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Um, are you sure? Yes, 100%. <laughs> are you sure? Yes. <laughs> Janice, can you tell me, what is servile work? Um, servile work. From a Catholic definition, mm-hmm. servile mm-hmm. work is work that requires labor of your body rather than your mind. Huh. Okay. So it's okay. primarily work of your body. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. 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 Like the uh, like a blue collar worker, you know, just uh, or to... like the dishes or uh, laundry on Sunday. Maybe? Yes, mowing the lawn. Mm-hmm. Mowing the... I shouldn't mow the lawn on Sunday. Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. I, I think mowing the lawn is totally, yeah, if it's an act of charity oh. for your family. <laughs> well, let's just get a second opinion on this. Adrian Fonseca, can you tell me what is servile work? Uh, yeah, servile work is any work that is done. Any kind of work. All work? All work. Like if I did homework. Kind of like yeah, you think about the Jews and how they uh-huh. weren't allowed to. They uh-huh. weren't allowed to take like 50 steps in a, right. on, a sun, on a Saturday, yeah. on a Sabbath. Uh-huh. Uh, kind of like that. So uh, so you you can't do any kind of work it's at like all. I should sit still on Sunday and not Pretty move. much. You can go to Mass, uh-huh. and then afterwards you go and sit in your chair. That's it. You can lay down if you want. Wow. That's fine. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh Tim, Tim, let me uh, summarize for you. Uh, Adrian seems to think it's all kinds of work, every work, uh, versus Janice seems to think it's just work of the body versus that of the mind. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Tim, what say you? I am going to say Adrian is incorrect. 
Wow. I, oh, wait, wait. Wrong one. You're right. You're right. Adrian, you. I, I miss the whole oh. saying who's wrong. It really threw me off. Uh, of course you are right, Tim. And I like the way you think, sir. Uh, that, uh, we should put that on a button, Adrian. Uh, Adrian is incorrect. Oh. I, I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. <laughs> That's not what I heard. That's not what I heard. Obviously. <laughs> I, otherwise, I wouldn't have hit the buzzer. <laughs> you are right, sir. Uh, very good. You are in the coffee cup of divine providence. Praise be to God. It is work of the body rather than of the mind. Uh, well done. I think we can uh, double your impact here with a second question. Double your chances to win this week's prize, Tim. Let's do it. I got to say, these. Uh, this next question is probably... Super easy, though. I, it's not tricky at all. Let's just see how it goes. We'll start with Adrian. Uh -oh. Adrian, I know this is this question is probably very near and dear to your heart. Uh, but, Adrian, can you tell me who founded the Jesuits? Uh, yes, that would be Ignatius of Loyola. Uh-huh. Ignatius, like the Ignatius of Loyola? Yeah. Like, wasn't there many? Ignatius of Loyola. Is there multiple Ignatius Ignati of Loyola? Ignatius of Loyola. So there's only, there's only one. I'm fairly certain. Okay. I, I guess there could be another one, but uh -huh. I don't know. Not uh -huh. that I know of. Okay. So Ignatius of Loyola's final, final answer. <laughs> Let's just see. Let's get a second opinion. Janice, can you tell me who founded the Jesuits? I believe that was St. Francis de Sales, actually. Really? Uh, yeah, because I, huh. I think he had a great devotion to like the Sacred Heart, and I think yeah. the Jesuits wow. have a great devotion to the Sacred Heart. Huh. I might be wrong, but wow. I I'm, I feel confident about my answer. Really? <laughs> Interesting. Mm. Okay, well, let me summarize for you, Tim. Uh, Janice seems to think it was St. Francis de Sales, uh, and Adrian seems to think it was Ignatius of Loyola. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Tim, what say you? I would say her nervous laugh didn't help me believe her. But <laughs> <laughs> I did know it was a friend of Loyola. Ignatius, of, is that your final answer, Tim? I like how he didn't say Adrian was right. He said instead that the answer is Loyola. Well done. Well done. Well, he's got Duh. you figured. He's got you pegged there, Janice. Uh, don't play poker with Tim. I'm saying he, he's got the tells down. In fact, it was Ignatius of Loyola, 1491 to 1456. Saint Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. Uh, all right, so you're in for two, Tim. Congratulations. This third one could be easy, could be tricky. I think it's right on the line here. Let's see if we can't uh, triple your, your chances, Tim. Um, here we go. Back to Janice. Janice, can you tell me? Who is the patron saint of pawnbrokers? Hmm. I think that was St. Joseph. St. Joseph? Yeah. Hmm. Really? Yes. Fascinating. St. Joseph. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if Adrian knows. <clears throat> Adrian, can you tell me, who is the patron no. saint of pawnbrokers? Well, I suppose I can tell you. Okay. You really want to know? Yeah. All right, sure, I'll tell absolutely. you. I'll tell you. Okay. It's St. Nicholas, okay? Yeah, there, I told you. Like, jolly old? Uh, well, you know, how many St. Nicholas's like, are there? Smack like the seven, Arius, right? uh, St. Nicholas at the uh, Council of Nicaea, that guy? Dabbing those heretics uh, really? at St. Nicholas. So your answer is St. Nicholas. My answer is St. Nicholas. Huh. Wow. Those are choices right there. Let's just Those see. Those are choices. Tim, here's the deal. Adrian says St. Nicholas is the patron saint of pawnbrokers, whereas Janice is saying it's St. Joseph. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? This Tim, what say you? Difficult. Um, patron saint worker St. Joseph, but uh, St. Nicholas for his generosity. Oh, 
I'll, I'll have to go with Jolly Old Saint Nick. Jolly Old Saint Nick. You mean you would like to go with Adrian, right? Survey I, I just, says. <laughs> I, I just wonder. Adrian likes to have his ego fed. <laughs> I, I was just Don't wondering. Say. I was just wondering. The Lord tells us not to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, congratulations. It is St. Nick. In fact, a lot of pawn shops keep uh, the, the symbol of the three balls out in front, like on their signs. That is a reference back to St. Nicholas. So uh, I didn't know that. Fascinating facts uh, on the program as today. <laughs> as long as you're honest. Well, Tim, God love you. Hey, what church do you go to again, Tim? I go to, well, I do like the Basilica in D.C., mm. But um, St. Dominic's. St. Dominic's. Mm. Hey, Dominican. I've been to that parish. It's a great yeah. parish in yeah. downtown. Praise be to God. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim, we, we are well, grateful to you. They're all great, right? Because we have Jesus everywhere. Amen. Yes. Amen. All right, Tim, we're going to put you on hold. You have a great day. And, and more importantly, you have a great haircut, sir. Oh, it's well, it's up to the man that will be using the scissors. <laughs> May he not my skin. <laughs> well, we will pray for that for sure, Tim. God love you. We're going to put you on hold so we get your phone number in case you are the winner. But that is going to do it for the radio side of our show today. Praise be to Jesus. Don't forget, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast of Catholic Drive Time. Uh, everything is linked up. You can actually listen to podcasts right on our website. You can also listen to podcasts on our mobile app. So you can listen live, get the programming of your local Catholic radio station, and listen to our podcast right on our mobile app. Search your iOS or Android app store for the Guadalupe Radio Network. And in the flyout, you'll find the podcast of Catholic Drive Time. But we're also on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. We're on all of those platforms. But you can find everything, including our content and and interviews, on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you back here, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, for another Catholic Drive Time. Or join us in the after show, and we'll chat with you about whatever is on your heart, whatever is on your mind. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to God. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where, as you well know, we get more casual about our conversations, about whatever it is you want to talk about. You get to set the pace, the tone. You get to conversate about what you want to talk about. All you got to do, dear listener, is comment. That's that's your end of the bargain, is commenting. And let us know what you want to discuss, and we will dive into that. Uh, the CDT insiders know how it works, but if you're new here and you're like, what, what? Well, here's the deal. In the after show, we're very casual because we're not on the radio anymore. We don't have the pressure of the clock. We can take our time and we can conversate about some things. We'll stay on till the top of the hour. If you are new and you comment for the first time, we like to lavish extra love on you by uh, you know, recognizing you. 
and um, and we, that's what we do. And then you can comment and tell us where you're from or what you want to discuss, and we will we'll dive into that. Praise be to God. But uh, we always like to recognize those that are hanging out with us, and we have a lot of people hanging out with us this morning. Praise be to God. Uh, 93 is on with us from the deep north. Uh, Mike K. Good morning to you. Praise be to praise, praise be to God. Bur uh, Bernardino Bernardino Bernardino. Hopefully, hopefully, I'm saying that correctly. Bernardino. Whoops. That is the wrong sounder. Yeah, that's definitely the wrong. <laughs> Whoops. Bernardino was on. I don't know if you're still on. We'd love to uh, know if you're still on. But if uh, either way, Bernardino seems like a brand new commenter to me. That's what I meant to do. Yay and amen. Yes. Praise As, be to God. Uh, my fingers. Amen. Uh, Slipped. Thank you, Bernardino, for commenting for the first time. Christopher Velasquez, good morning to you. Praise be to Jesus. Jeff Burrier and family, it's good to see you back. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us today. Mary Barone, good morning to you. Good morning to you. Uh, let's see. Bernardino and uh, 93 were like chatting in Russian. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like, what the having heck? A, we're having a private conversation in Russian in the chat box, which is actually kind of funny. Kind of cool. It's kind of cool, yeah. Not so, uh, but we like Alaric. Good morning from uh, from New Hampshire. Praise be to God. It's good to see you. Oh no, Alaric, where are you from? Uh, it's Dave that's from New Hampshire. Uh, we haven't. Uh, David L is from New Hampshire. Good morning to you, uh, Eric Rodriguez. Praise be to God. Good morning. Who's on Facebook? Um, all sorts of people. Myra, Chris, Joaquin, uh, Lori, Josh. Trying to go through. All these numbers. Uh, Buddy, Patty was gone, has gone now, but she was joining us during the show. Uh, but good morning to everybody. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Josh Noel just Myra, said good, good morning. morning. Good morning, Josh. Yeah, praise be to God. Absolutely. Eric just hopped on on the YouTube side. Good morning, CDT. Having a late start today. Hashtag wake up mode. <laughs> uh, Jeff or Jonah says, let's talk about our favorite sport. We talk about football, the real, real football. Uh, real quick, before we move on to talk about sports and stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wanted to read from the uh, an eighteen hundred catechism on servile work. Uh, what servile work is considered? The it says, "How should the Catholic keep Sunday holy, and how does he profane it?" Sunday is kept holy by abstaining from all servile work performed for wages or gain, or not commanded by necessity. By passing the day in works of piety and hearing mass devoutly, listening to the word of God in church and spending the day at home in a quiet manner, pleasing to God. If justly prevented from being present at church on Sundays and holy days of obligation, we should unite in spirit with the priests and the faithful assembled there and pray fervently during the rest of the day. We should read books of devotion, endeavor to perform some work of charity. Sunday is profaned by being spent either in idleness or unnecessary servile work or in that which is still worse, debauchery, gambling, dancing, or other sinful actions. It would be better that is less sinful, as St. Augustine says, to till the field on such days Mm. than to spend them in frivolous, dangerous, and sinful pleasures. But it is not forbidden, after having properly attended divine service, to participate on Sundays and holy days in honorable, decorous entertainment of the mind and heart. So note, he says that, yes, it would be better to till the field, or, I don't know, cut the grass, than to do evil things, but that doesn't mean it said, he specifically said, it would be, quote, less sinful. Uh, so, there you go about uh, tilling the field on such days. Yeah. Um, and But it is good, it is not just allowed, but it is good to do decorous entertainment of the mind and heart. Uh, that is not uh, forbidden. Yeah, amen. Praise amen. be to God. Uh, Alaric says he's from Nebraska. I uh, love Nebraska. I've been to Nebraska once. That was to be uh, present for the ordination 
uh, mass of my friend, Father Mullane, and uh, it was beautiful. It was very, very beautiful, and uh, I think it was in Lincoln, and I, I could live in a state like Nebraska. It's a gorgeous little state. Rolling hills, you know, green. I like it. Praise be to God. Uh, Colarissa says, uh, I hoped, uh, I hopped on, rather, I hopped on a little late today, too. Good morning, everyone. I am I am feeding our newborn. Well, good morning, Clarissa and newborn. Praise be to God. We're glad you're here. We're uh, very grateful for you being a part of our program. You know, uh, Eric, was it Eric was saying he woke up late? He's in uh, hashtag wake up mode. Um, that was a question early in the program today. Uh, we were somehow we got onto sleeping in strange places. Oh, it was Adrian that started that conversation? Yeah, because I said I had slept uh, here underneath the console here. Yeah, I had slept. Uh, what did I say as well? I said something else too. You said you could sleep anywhere. Yeah, I could sleep anywhere. Oh, one time. So going back to uh, Jonah's comment about favorite sport. When I was in high school, I was playing freshman football. Mm-hmm. I was also in theater, and at St. Thomas High School, we had a ton of homework. So I was like. Getting home at like four, five, six o'clock, and then I was doing homework. I went ate dinner and did homework until like two, three in the morning. We had freshman football at like five in the morning, so it is an hour drive to get to um, to football. So I was sleeping like an hour a day. It was horrible freshman football. And one time I was standing there in my shoulder pads and helmet, and I fell asleep standing up, (laughs) and then I fell forward and landed (laughs) on my face. So, uh, yeah. I've, I've slept in some interesting places too. Uh, Janice, most strange place you've ever slept? So I, Turn your mic on. Um, there there you we go. go. Uh, yes. I think one of the strangest, well, I wouldn't say strangest, but kind of uncomfortable places that I've slept in mm-hmm. is uh, uh, I went on a pilgrimage uh, called Bike for the Unborn in California. Beautiful pilgrimage. Absolutely loved it. Um, but uh, we would uh, camp instead of camping. Uh, staying at nice hotels or uh, nice cabins or, uh, you know, uh, hospitality with other families, we would rent out parks and we would sleep. We would set up tents and basically like camp throughout the entire pilgrimage. And yeah, for me, that was a, uh, as a, as a native, that's neat. Yeah. That's uh, that's why I say native Texan uh, growing up in, you know, the suburbs, I never really got a a lot of exposure to hiking and outdoor events. Mm -hmm. Um, So living in California allowed me that opportunity to kind of be out in the wilderness and like. That sounds great. Yeah. So that's strange. It's not strange. I'm saying it's it was uncomfortable for me at the time. I see. But looking back, it was probably one of the coolest experiences. And and just the uh, yeah, definitely. I think sleep was a. uh, a different experience for yeah. me that I had than I was familiar with. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, that sounds like a good time to me. Anyway, yes, actually, I've, I've slept on the mountains in mm-hmm. Switzerland. I've slept on mountains in California. I've slept in some pretty cool places. Uh, Adriatic Ocean. Uh, mm. Did you say in my uh, ocean? I slept on the beach of the Adriatic Ocean. Why are you sleeping in my ocean? Uh, is it yours? Yeah, Adrian, the Adrian Ocean. A- Adriatic. Okay. Yeah, I have I a it. I have yeah. a friend who lives yeah. in LA, and he was telling me that he went. He woke up uh, early to go run uh, at. Um, I think it was like Venice Beach. He went for like a morning run this past summer and he actually saw a, a influx of homeless people sleeping in the beach. Yeah, oh, oh in, and, in Honolulu, yeah. it was a massive problem and ever they would all go sleep on the beach at night and they would they would go up and down the beach on four-wheelers to uh to try to push them off the beach, especially during tourist uh seasons, which is all, every day in Hawaii. Yeah, and but, I would say as a yeah. homeless if it <laughs> If I were a homeless person, I yeah. think sleeping in the beach would probably yeah. be my preferred choice. <laughs> I, I slept on the beach many times in Hawaii. It's a great place. I, yeah. I, I would sneak into the bushes up on the edge of the 
of the beach, though, just to kind of get some privacy. But I've slept mm-hmm. there. But I think the strangest place I've ever fallen asleep was uh, at the bottom of the ocean. I uh, was scuba diving. I hadn't slept all night because I was out doing the club thing. I was young and stupid. And uh, so the next day we, <laughs> we went on a dive and uh, we, were, we, were, we were kneeling on the ocean floor. And I was waiting for the dive master to come to me. He was going through checks and making sure everybody was good to go. And so I was waiting my turn. Uh-huh. And I was kneeling there. And it's Hawaii. And the water mm. is beautiful. Mm. It's, it's a great temperature. And the ebb and flow of the, uh, of the, of the you know, waves. And mm. I fell asleep right there. I was sleeping when he came up to me. Mm. And... Uh, and it was it was pretty pretty. But you, you slept by the ocean or I in, was under in, under I the was water under the water. Were you able to breathe? I was you had scuba gear. Oh, okay. I had scuba gear. <laughs> the good news is I I didn't uh, lose the uh, regulator out of my mouth. That would have been dangerous and terrible. But uh, I fell asleep rocking in the ocean floor on my knees uh, there mm. under the water, waiting for the for my dive master, who was a uh, a Vietnam era Navy SEAL, and he was absolutely batty. And uh, which was made it more fun and exciting because we would go uh, diving through caves and and at Sharks yeah. Cove. I think um, I think Buddy has his, has you beat, dude. Buddy's got me beat. He said I fell asleep in the U-turn lane of I-45 <laughs> in West Gulf Bank <laughs> and then was reported as a dead body. <laughs> <laughs> that takes the game. That's what I was laughing at a second ago. <laughs> I saw that and like we started bursting Well, actually, out I have I have a similar story. So I don't I, know what's up with that. I have no idea what's up with that. Oh That's not goodness. good though. I have a similar story actually. So uh, I remember I was working uh, uh, two jobs like uh, a year ago and. Uh, um, I was so tired, very sleep deprived, and I went to the gas station to fill up my gas tank. And I was so tired that I was like, you know, I'm going to just take a nap here in my car by the gas station. And I ended up taking like an hour long nap in my car. I pulled down my seat and then there was uh, this man who was banging at my door and uh, he woke me up after my hour nap and, and he's like, are you okay? Are you alive? Do we need to get the ambulance? And they, they thought I had, uh, I was dead at the, the gas station, but yeah. I was sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I mean, who knows, right? <laughs> I guess I, I, there is one of the places that was probably like more uncomfortable or strange. Of course, the Marine Corps, you, you sleep in pretty crazy places. Uh, many airports, I've slept on many airports. Mm-hmm. I, I met the print, uh, the artist formerly known as Prince once at uh, midnight in New Jersey. He was just he and I and his bodyguard once, and that was a fun story. But I, I my dad and I, we uh, we did the van life thing across Europe back in the uh, in the eighties, and um, we, we, it was raining, pouring rain. We were sleeping outside because my grandparents were with us, and they were sleeping in the van, so we were outside, and it was pouring rain. So we actually moved our beds into the bathroom of the campground. Mm. So sleeping in a bathroom was very uncomfortable. Because, mm. you know, the other campers were coming in and out. and The lights were on all night long. Mm. It was kind of crazy. So that's probably yeah. the worst place, I would say. Mm-hmm. I got to give a uh, shout out to my uh, buddy and my new roommate, Josh, because he said um, that he tried to tune in this morning. He woke up late, but so he didn't. He missed the interview, but he's on now. But he said, Adrian, I have my Alexa time to play the show at 630 to wake me up. And I was like, dude, everybody take notes. You need to do that. Set, set your Alexa to... Uh, Wake you up with uh, with KSHJ, because Josh said he says he goes uh, so it's Alaric and Eric and Clarissa were asking oh, how do you how do you do that how can I can I do that with Google and Josh said well I don't know about that but for Alexa I just type in as a command 
uh, play KSHJ and then set the time for 6.30. So he so, wakes up to the interview. And it automatically does it? You don't have to yeah. program it? You the, just say? The reason why is because it's, uh, it's done through TuneIn. We stream to TuneIn. Mm-hmm. And so TuneIn is a service connected on these devices like uh, the uh, Echo Dot or the Google device. Mm. So um, you can actually play all kinds of radio stations that way. And so if you oh, just give the call sign of the of the radio no, station. No, you can only do KSHJ. No, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't so depending on where you are located, if you would like to listen to your local station, uh, especially if it's a Guadalupe Radio Network station or a station of the cross, for instance, or other Catholic radio stations, you, all you need to do is you need to know the call sign of the local station. Now, the one here in the Houston area happens to be KSHJ, and you can use it and listen to it, but it'll be Houston. But if you would like something more local, just figure out what your local radio station is, your call sign. And the Guadalupe Radio Network has a map with all of its radio stations, and I also, on the CDT page, have a map of all the stations we live uh, we are live on the radio with, and you can see if there's a station nearest you and you can get their call sign and you can actually say hey alexa play kshj or whatever that call sign is and it should work but it just goes through the the tune in streaming service okay nikolai has you beat nicola and nicola nicola has you beat and has um <laughs> yeah. has buddy beat Not as well do, but okay. in the tailpipe <laughs> Of a T thirty three jet on, doing a pre flight inspection. Come on, man. <laughs> like what? Not not good. I'm, I'm imagining um, that's probably less than optimal. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. T thirty three jet. Now what? The T thirty three jet. I'm thinking uh, it's trainer jet. Of what? What kind? Though I got to look that up. What is a T thirty three tailpipe? Is that like a? Is that a refueler? What is that? T thirty three jet. I'm I'm googling it right now. I have another one. So I actually did this yesterday. Uh, so oh, wow! After <laughs> after that's uh, an old school. Je- I'm sorry, Janice. That's yeah. just an old school jet. Go I, ahead. I uh, I did. Um, I I went to go get my uh, nails done uh, as a female. Manicures, pedicures, um, I and I actually. Adrian, you know what that's like, right? <laughs> um, don't, I, nobody touched my nails. I actually <laughs> took a nap while they were doing my really? nails. You can sleep <laughs> while people are touching your fingers. I could never do that. <laughs> fall asleep while people are touching you. I'm like, in general. Oh, no, thank you. People don't tell people back off. Don't touch me. Well, they they play like classical music and they they mm-hmm. get they give you like a massage and um, if you ever want to pamper yourself and just take a day like. A, a relaxing day definitely going to a nail shop and just doing like a massage or a foot massage i think really helps but uh, i went to sleep yeah. during that i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna say uh i'm glad you were enjoying it i however probably won't be doing that <laughs> uh i don't uh, i don't like the idea of strangers touching you know that's mm-hmm. for no thank you yeah, I never understood. Yeah, it's super weird. It's I, a, it's I a it's a female thing. It's definitely a female. I guess. Thing. Uh, whatever. No, I do know some guys. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Are yeah, you talking about your roommates again? That's uh, weird. Josh, wow. what are you doing in your free time? Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, I don't want to know. Uh, Gloria said, "My husband just sits down and goes to sleep. Movies, mass. When he goes to see Father John Ricardo a few weeks ago, he was falling asleep <laughs> too. <laughs> Ouch! It's like, yeah, he falls asleep everywhere. Wow. Not gonna, not to call him out or anything. I mean, you might, you know, at mass, at at work, sitting on the couch, wow. at Father Ricardo's talk at the prayer breakfast at uh, in Dallas Fort Worth area. I just, I'm, uh, hypothetically speaking, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm I don't know. That's rough. Nicola, uh, actually." Clarified. So I'm looking at a picture of the jet. You you can share my desktop if you'd like, Adrian. Uh, this particular jet has a tail p- exhaust pipe. 
That is where Nicola fell asleep, inside the exhaust pipe. How, How did you live How? through this experience, How? Nicola? <laughs> like, and number one... It's what, not that big. What were you... I mean... How old are you, sir, that you would be in this particular jet? This jet's been around for a very, very long time and is no longer in service, I imagine. Or is it? Could I be wrong about that? Um, boy, this is fascinating. Like, how could you fall asleep inside the exhaust pipe there? That would be crazy. I don't know how you lived through that, but I'm glad you did. Uh, what's Christopher Chance saying? Let's see. Mr. Chance, you said that the funniest moment falling asleep Oh, it was when I was in middle school attending uh, a Kefa retreat. Kefa. Uh, oh, Kefa retreat. It was during Eucharistic Adoration at 2 a.m. And when I complained about the hour, my father pointed to the crucifix and responded, Can you not stay awake with Jesus for one hour? Ouch. I've done that. No guilt. I've done that oh, a few times. One thing they do. Yeah, that's the big thing. I did a Kefa retreat a few years ago. Uh, and uh, yeah, you, they wake you up at the middle of the night. You have to get dressed in your Sunday best and then go to adoration. And then you come back and you go back to bed. It's the it's the weirdest thing, um, but it's a ch- definite challenge to uh, to stay awake. And yeah, my- when I when I've done uh, holy hours, uh, there have been times where I fall asleep, and I I do think of that Bible verse. But then I think of Matthew eleven twenty eight, where it says, "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest." And so I think uh, you know it's a it, it, it's a it, there's both sides to it. You know there. Uh, there might be times that God is calling us to be vigilant, um, but then there's also times to rest. Yeah, I think, though, in adoration, though, we should probably stay awake uh, when we're actually at adoration. I know Fulton Sheen <laughs> talks about whenever he would go to adoration, he said he fell asleep one time and he said, you know, I just thought, you know, I'm like the apostles at the first holy hour, keeping watch with Christ. But he goes, he felt that he had a peace in his heart, but then he felt also that his guardian angel was telling him, don't do that again. How do you feel about, how do you feel, like I know on college campuses, students will often do homework in uh, in adoration in the chapel. Uh, Mm. I'm also thinking about uh, like Eduardo Verastegui's story and how he, when he was, when he was walking away from the life of fame as a, as a international singer and a movie actor on all of that in Mexico, and he was wanting to do something, you know, he was about to create Bella is what he was doing. And he was here visiting our friend uh, Jason Jones in the movie to Movement People. And he was staying and sleeping at the foot of, of, a, of a tabernacle in a, in a chapel. <clears throat> and he wanted mm. to sleep as close to Jesus as possible. How do you feel about something like that? I, I actually find, um, I find that beautiful um, in the sense that um, I, I would actually disagree with Adrian. I think that there is times... For us to stay awake and be vigilant with our Lord. But then there's also times where our Lord is inviting us to just simply rest and be still and know that he is God. Uh, and, and so some, I, I, I don't think that what he, I've, I've actually met a lot of people who have had beautiful stories where they, um, have like study time or just like sleep time and adoration and they wake up renewed, refreshed or uh, inspired with a new idea or something that uh, is inspired by God for them to do in their lives. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think in general, I think there's uh, degrees of goodness to things in general. So for instance, uh, my go-to example is always the rosary. Uh, it is better that you pray the rosary devoutly, you say the prayers, you meditate on the mysteries. It is better that there is a greater degree of, of uh, efficaciousness and grace received when you pray devoutly 
but Our Lady asked us to do something. She asked us to pray the rosary every day. Um, and if you, and to accomplish that goal, all you have to do is pray the rosary every day. Yeah. So if you pray it imperfectly, well, yes, you're still praying the rosary. That's still a grace that you're receiving. That's still something good that you are doing. It is something that you have been obedient to the request of Our Lady. So they're all good things. And the same way in adoration, whenever you go to adoration, there are degrees of perfection of, mm-hmm. of going to adoration. Ideally, yes, you would be having to be able to spend an hour in meditative prayer the entire time. Yes, of course, that would be ideal. Um, but then there are degrees of perfection of prayer when you're in adoration. I would say one would be just staying awake, staying awake, keeping watch with Christ. Um, that's typically the, the theology behind adoration. But it's also permissible, I would say, to, yes, you could go in. As long as you're not doing anything profane in the chapel, then it would be permissible to do your homework, things like that. I know Gabriel Castillo, he goes into the adoration chapel uh, throughout the day whenever he needs inspiration. When he's writing a talk, when he's uh, preparing one of his videos, he'll go and sit in the adoration chapel. Uh, so I think there are degrees of perfection. I think it is less perfect to mm. go to the chapel and sleep i'll but, say this yeah. it seems like every time i go to adoration all of a sudden i feel the most exhausted yeah like, i could totally fall asleep at a moment's notice without mm-hmm. hardly any work i don't like ever i could be Me wide too. awake and then i walk into the chapel and i'm with the intention of spending my time in actual adoration and um and i just feel so like just so eager to fall asleep and it's almost every, I can't imagine, I can't even remember a time where that's not been the case. Um, there's something about the peace that exists before the Blessed Sacrament in adoration that is very compelling. It just, the body wants to rest there. So mm. it, is an, it is a great act of, um, of uh, sacrifice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to try to stay awake, to try to keep watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, is, it is difficult for sure. Um, but I tend not to give people a hard time if they fall asleep. <laughs> I used to I used to go do like a morning uh, uh, three mile run in the mornings when I lived in DC, and uh, there was an adoration chapel next to my house, and uh, it was really cool because I would go run, and then right after my run I would go uh, to the adoration chapel, and I think uh, just that experience of like being on a high, being on an adren- adrenaline, mm. and then going to rest before the presence of our Lord in mm. in prayer was like just a cool transition to have in the mornings but definitely i think uh i mean any any prayer time that you can get throughout your day uh regardless if you're tired or energized i think is is good for the soul yeah uh nicola was uh we were going back to him <laughs> almost dying in the exhaust pipe of this air, this aircraft apparently as a young man he was living fast and loose uh, i know the feeling uh, nicola i did the same thing only i did it in the marine corps uh, but I didn't have to crawl into any exhaust pipes, thankfully. I, although I did work on aircraft, F, F-18s, uh, but mostly helicopters, CH-53s and 46s. Um, yeah, praise be to God. Well, I'm glad you lived through that experience. That was a potentially very hazardous situation there. Yes, sure. absolutely. Alaric uh, talks about uh, ex opere operantis versus ex opere operato, uh, which refers back to the out of the work being performed. So you have the sacraments, which work uh, in and of themselves. They are efficacious if you just uh, if as long as you have the proper form, matter, and intention. 
The sacraments are valid. They are efficacious by the very fact that they're instituted by Christ. Sacramentals and private prayer uh, work uh, by the intention and the uh, and the holiness of the individual, and so they do not work in the same way as sacraments do. So uh, that's he's making the point, referring back to my analogy about the rosary and adoration. Yeah. So yeah, it is always like the Eucharist is always the Eucharist. Now the person receiving the sacrament. It does work by the holiness of the person. So, for instance, if you receive the Eucharist in your state of mortal sin and you reject the Eucharist, you don't believe it is Christ, you are still receiving Jesus Christ's body, blood, soul, and divinity. That does not change because the sacrament is the sacrament. But your reception of it, because you are not properly disposed, because you lacked the proper uh, disposition, intention, and holiness, you received less. And in the case of mortal sin, you actually receive your own damnation. Uh, the same thing can be said in all the other their sacraments, including um, confirmation, including confession even, if you go into the confessional with the intention of not confessing properly, then you actually leave having committed the sin of sacrilege and you walk out with more mortal sin on your soul. So yes, it is very important to make those distinctions about uh, the sacraments and private prayer and in our own disposition toward the sacraments. Mm, so absolutely. Amen. Um, we have a few minutes left, and I wanted to bring up this other story before we say goodbye, uh, and that is the story out of Costa Rica, the priest that was suspended and sent for psychological treatment. So here's, I think, the, the summation of this story. This particular priest was saying the, the traditional uh, form of the Mass, the TLM, and of course, Tradiciones uh, Custodis came out, and his bishop actually forbid the saying of the TLM in the diocese. So... What he did was he started saying the Novus Ordo Mass, but he said it in Latin, and he said it at Orientum. And the, now his, he has been suspended. He, I, I want to say he, in fact, he tried to pursue a canonical process to try to be, get, obtain the right to say the TLM. He, I think that's now been suspended. Like, he has given up on that case now. Uh, he has been suspended as a priest because he said the Novus Ordo Mass in Latin at Orientum. This is, that's the kind of Mass that I used to go to and had gone to for years before I joined a TLM community <clears throat> at the FSSP. But think, I want you to think about this for a second. This is a priest who is obedient to his bishop. His bishop said, you can't say the TLM. So he didn't. Instead, he said the Novus Ordo. But he said it according to the rubrics. And in, 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 he said it in Latin, uh, he said it at Orientum, but he said it according to the rubrics, and he's now been suspended and sent to psychological treatment. Like, in other words, he must be absolutely crazy because he said the Novus Ordo, uh, you know, in, uh, in obedience to his bishop. Just, he just tried to say it as reverently as he possibly could within the rules, and now he warrants psychological evaluation. That is rather um, disturbing, in my opinion. Rather disturbing. Now, I obviously don't know all the facts. I'm not there. I don't know all the facts for this priest or for the bishop for either of their intentions, and I, and I won't know those. However, from the outside looking in, and this is just an, a, sort of a litmus test for the rest of the church, I find this very, very concerning. Very, very concerning. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think back of St. Paul's words. And in, uh, in Thessalonians, to hold fast the, to the traditions that we have handed on. We, I love that about St. Paul, the royal we is he and the apostles. The, the hierarchy of the church, handing on the traditions of the church to the faithful, whether by word of mouth or by letter. 
embracing the traditions is a part of the patrimony of the church itself. And here is a priest seemingly, again, I could be wrong, because sometimes people will tell me, Joe, what you don't know is X, Y, and Z about this situation. And you're right, I don't know all those things, nor do I pretend to, but at the same time, does it warrant psychological evaluation for saying the Nova Soto in Latin? Mm, I don't know. Adrian, you're going to say something? Yeah, the there's a lot to be said here, but I just wanted to, uh, yeah, I have a lot of things to say about this, but uh, we're coming up at the end of the of our show, so I'm going to just read to you a couple quotes from one from St. Augustine and one from St. John Chrysostom. Uh, St. Augustine said, quote, the mere change of custom, even though it may be of advantage in some respects, unsettles men by reason of the novelty, therefore. And is and if it brings no advantage, it does much harm by unprofitably disturbing the church. Saint Saint Chrysostom said, "Paul commands, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which have been taught, whether by word or by our letter. From this, it is clear that they did not hand down everything by letter, but there is much also that was not written. Like that which was written, the unwritten too is worthy of belief. So let us regard the tradition, the tradition of the church, also as worthy of belief." Is it a tradition? Seek no further. Mm. Amen. So Canon we should law. love it. Canon should love law. It. Canon law number nine twenty eight of the eight of the nineteen eighty three code of canon law said the Eucharistic celebration is to be carried out in the Latin language or in another language, provided that the liturgical texts have been legitimately approved. So there you go. He wasn't even breaking canon law. He was obedient to that too. Still, psychological evaluation. Let's pray for the hierarchy of the church. And let's pray for the division and the schisms to cease and to for true unity in the tradition and patrimony of Holy Mother Church. Amen. Praise be to God. We'll see you back here 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Share us with a friend. We'd be grateful to you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us.